0: Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.
1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? I can no idea. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. This is going to go the distance. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
0: It's time for Beyond the Box score. We only have two Beyond the Box scores left. Did you guys know that?
2: I did not. Yeah. So. I' be sad to not be able to break down tape with you with you boys.
0: Because we have next Monday, and then we have the following Monday is Christmas, and the following right. Monday is New Year's nah. Day. And I'm not going to make you guys, we're not going to, well, I'm not going to do it either, but no one's doing a show on, uh, on those Mondays. So this is a penultimate episode of the season for Beyond the Box score. Advanced stats from simple people. We'll recap Dallas beating the Eagles by 20. They beat most teams by that much. Uh, We'll give you some injury updates, of course, advanced stats. Our four big topics today are wide receivers who are currently outside the top 20 in points per game that could be league winners in the fantasy playoffs. That's a mouthful. Uh, Are we starting Keenan Allen this week? What about Jamar Chase? It's basically struggling wide receivers, I would say, is the general theme here. And Jacob loves wide receivers. So this one was right up his alley. He's like kind of a wide receiver guy. And then we'll talk about the quarterback position and whether or not you yeah. should wait on quarterback next year, based on what we've seen this year. Oh, uh, all right. Are we rooting for the giants tonight, Dan, or are we root against them. What's the deal?
2: Yeah. You know what? I hate to have to admit this because it's going to, you know, lose me some supporters. I always understand that, but <laughs> I'm not the type of fan who roots for wins in these types of seasons. <laughs> okay. You know, I don't, care about making the playoffs as a wild card seven seed and losing by 30. I want a long-term solution. I want long-term success. And these types of wins tend to not lead to that. You've been told a lie your whole lives that these wins built culture. That culture never seems to carry over to no, the next season. No. So, you know, I just want the draft position. I want and ultimately, I want a shot at one of these quarterbacks. And then I want to have some fun and watch good quarterback film. I was watching Matthew Stafford today to watch Cooper cup for a film breakdown. We have in, in, the guy's phenomenal on tape. I mean, the guy throws with anticipation consistently. His arm talent is through the roof. He processes information pre and post snap. Like nothing I've seen watching the Giants for the last five years and nothing remotely even close to anything that Daniel Jones has done from a processing standpoint or from an arm talent standpoint. So at some point, you know, you want that as yeah. a fan. You want to have that hope that you can have the guy who can bring you through to a Super Bowl on a consistent basis.
0: Well, they will not be playing against Aaron Jones tonight, so we'll talk about the Packers running backs in a little bit. Let's start with Dallas 33 and Philadelphia 13. The Cowboys had the ball for more than 36 minutes in this game, so just not a lot of possession for the Eagles. They fumbled the ball three times in Cowboys territory. Uh, They had a couple of almost touchdowns, so Tony Pollard had an almost touchdown that ended up being a Rico Dowdle touchdown. That was annoying. Brandon Cooks had an almost touchdown that ended up in a Michael Gallup touchdown. Devontae Smith, uh, he dropped a gorgeous pass. That should have been a long wow. touchdown. So yep. it could have been a really good game for Devontae Smith. And the Eagles have lost consecutive games for the first time in two years, October 2021, so wow. more than two years. And Brandon Aubrey, last thing here. Brandon Aubrey, the
2: Cowboys kicker, like league winner, he's this incredible. He's unreal. He's
0: incredible.
2: <laughs> He He just found this guy from the MLS, and they're like, here, let's make you a kicker. Now he's the best in the NFL, basically.
0: He's the first kicker in NFL history to have two 59-plus-yard field goals in the same game, and he has not missed yet. All right, One of those was good from, like, 75, by the way. I know. Crazy. Jacob Jacob hasn't spoken yet. So, Jacob, what are your takeaways from the Cowboys-Eagles?
3: Yeah, I think you hit it on the head where just not enough plays for Philadelphia, only 52 plays and nine drives. Both were the lowest of any team this week. Um it was good to see Dallas Goddard back, 93% route participation for him right away, so no limitations. And then it was also good to see Devontae Smith still uh draw ten targets, even with Goddard back, because there have been pretty pronounced splits um when Goddard has been on or off the field. So that's all good. The bad was basically everything else. Um, particularly with DeAndre Swift. We have back to back games now without a single avoided tackle. Um he to me looks like he's worn down as the season has gone on. I'm not sure if that's it's actually happening or not um on the dallas side of things you mentioned rico dalda got a lot more involved than i would have expected and it wasn't just the blowout thing he had more first quarter first half carries than tony pollard did so i thought that was definitely interesting and then he you know got the touchdown that was frustrating the other thing to bring up is brandon cooks i think people have kind of leaned on him um, for fantasy He had that huge game against the giants then he had a couple other games where he scored touchdowns Um, But I don't think he's somebody we can trust. His past four target shares are 10%, 16%, 10%, and then 13% this past week. Um, And he's not seeing a ton of air yards either. So he's been running pretty hot on um, pretty thin usage. And I, I just don't know if we can trust that going forward. Oh, yeah, no, it's
0: all touchdowns for Cooks, and I thought he was worth a shot this week. weekend. He, like I said, he came up a, like a half a yard short, if that, of a touchdown. I thought he was worth a shot because the Eagles give up so many points to wide receivers, and I thought this would be a shootout. The Cowboys held up their end of the bargain. Jake Ferguson led actually led the team in receiving with 72 yards. Lamb had 71 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I know Pollard's numbers weren't great, 3.7 yards per carry, but he did have seven catches that only went for 37 yards. I thought he looked pretty good, though. I don't know if anybody else felt that way. Was, I thought
2: this was the, maybe the best I would
0: seen Tony Pollard look all season.
1: I,
2: I can get on board with that. I feel like eye test-wise, he, he did pass that, that barometer of what, what we've been used to him, but there's still not that lack of explosion, I feel like, in his game right now.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I can't, you know.
2: He ran well, though. He ran low, low center of gravity, like ran through contact well, I thought, which was which was good.
0: All right. And a pretty small role in the passing game for Dallas Goddard, which was obviously something we were going to be paying attention to. What was Devonte Smith's target share going to be like with Goddard yep. back? And Smith and Brown had 27 targets out of, uh, no, 20, I'm sorry, 23 targets out of 27 passes from Jalen Hurts in this game. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I think Swift will be a difficult decision for fantasy managers. He did not have a target in this game. Uh he had a pretty big role in the passing game last week, but that's been hit or miss for him. So, you know what you're doing? You're starting Brown. I think you're starting Swift. Goddard's got to be like a low-end starter at this point. And then for the Cowboys, I guess I guess the only thing I'd say for the Cowboys is I wouldn't assume that Jake Ferguson is going to be a stud every week. There's been too no. many weeks where he hasn't been a stud. He's like most tight ends where he's going to, you know, he's going to be like Cole Kmet. Some weeks you're going to go, oh, am I starting Ferguson? He just had such a bad game. And then the next week he's going to have 70 yards or whatever. But any final thoughts from you, Dan?
2: Yeah, one final thought would just be that I don't know if I agree with you on Ferguson. I really like his role in this game. I feel like he's used intermediate and on the underneath stuff. And he came really close to a touchdown, too. That would have really changed his box score. I know he's had a couple misses, Adam. But if uh, if we look back at it. Yeah. Versus the tight ends. I almost feel like he, to me, he profiles as an every week starter, especially given his role and the system and how functional this pass game is versus the rest of the NFL's pass games. But my final word, Adam would be, you know, breaking, breaking a little bit here. This, the season, right? It's the season for, and by just the season, I mean the season for Festivus, right? And, <laughs> In the season of Festivus, there are some airing of grievances. So I'll limit it to one right now. Oh, but- oh my God. Yes, we have grievances. Oh, <laughs> we have
0: no. a grievance. We have
2: a grievance. Okay. I'll limit it to one. Okay. I'll limit it to one. <laughs> you know, before the show started, I asked Adam for a little bit of an extension today because I wanted <laughs> a little bit more time to watch some Drake London Day. You know, sometimes we do that on the show. We start at one, sometimes we start a little bit later. Adam responded by saying, okay, fine, but I hate you. <laughs> and he spelled the word hate H8. You, no Y, no O, no A, no T, no E. This is from the guy who says, I hate uh, it's breakout season using the S, S, C, N, S, C, N. That's You gone. have to spell out season every time. Why are people using season? You got to spell it out. Yeah. And now this is the guy who comes back with a hate H8. So, well, I want to bring that up, call out the hypocrisy of Adam. And again, it's festive season, so we gotta air some grievances.
0: That's fine. I just, I think when I said H eight U, I think it it, it gave a it, sort of a giddy nature to it. You know, I didn't want you to think I actually. So what when I want say season? That's not the same. No, just I don't. What is that? I, I, th- thankfully, that's gone. Nobody says SCN anymore. <laughs> you no, know, I, I I always know when these things are not gonna last. Like that okay. one wasn't gonna last. You know, I didn't think LOL was gonna last, though. I gotta tell you, L- LOL is not going anywhere. <laughs> Adam
2: Azer, the barometer of what, what trends will last, what will die. <laughs>
0: All right. I didn't mean to imply that Jake Ferguson isn't, isn't like a, a must-start option. He's number two in targets on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. That's exactly what you're looking for. I'm just saying he's not going to be immune to bad games. Like the last two games, 72 True. and 77 yards. The three games before that, 26 yards, 32 yards, 35 yards. Uh, he did catch a touchdown in one of those three games. Sportsline's awesome. You want to gamble? We got great gambling advice on Sportsline. We got models, uh, you know, simulations, and also experts who do this for a living, telling you which games they like. Uh, we've got fantasy advice uh, on Sportsline all over the place on Sportsline from many, many different people, including a Beyond the Box Score article from Jacob. And if you want sixty percent off a quarterly plan, sixty percent off a quarterly plan, use the promo code EKWins. EKWins at sportsline.com slash join. EK wins for 60% off a quarterly plan. All right, a lot of news and notes tonight. So, oh, a lot of news and notes right now, but one for tonight is that Aaron Jones is not expected to play at the Giants. So we have two games tonight. You might have some options if you either had Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. But I I mean, I kind of like A.J. Dillon now in a good matchup, and hopefully he can mm-hmm. finally score. So someone asked me earlier, Dillon or Dobbs? In PPR, what would you guys do there?
2: Dylan or Dobbs, PPR. I'm going to go Dylan tonight without Aaron Jones. I think the game script will be really good for him against the Giants. I, don't, I personally don't think the Giants are
3: covering this spread or keeping it that close. Yeah, I'd lean towards Dylan too.
2: Right. I've
0: been, I said last week when we talked about Dylan, because they played on, uh, um, was that Monday? It was Monday night, right? Sunday night, yeah. obviously, Sunday night. Uh, that he keeps scoring about 11 points a game without a touchdown. So it's all he needs to do. And he came so close last week. If you get in the end zone from Dylan, you're probably going to have a pretty good game from him. Uh, Justin Herbert is not going to play this week. They play Thursday against the Raiders. And we don't know the extent of the injury. We just know that he's not going to play this week and he's going to have more tests. Justin Jefferson, apparently uh, encouraging news on Justin Jefferson. CJ Stroud's in the concussion protocol. Nico uh, Collins has the calf injury. Josh Jacobs' knee injury. Alexander Madison ankle. Um, Jerome Ford. X-rays were negative on, his, I believe, his wrist. And that's the big stuff there. Buck's secondary got pretty beat up yesterday. They play the Packers in week 15. Got what week we were in. Texans got hmm. pretty beat up on defense la- yesterday. They play the Titans next week. Kyle Hamilton, Baltimore starting safety. He has a sprained MCL. They're facing the Jaguars in Jacksonville in week 15. Um, Charverius Ward, oh yeah, the, the Niners got really beat up. Charverius Ward, their top corner, and Javon Hargrave left with injuries, and they were already playing without Eric Armstead. They got Arizona next week. Jonathan Hankins, pretty big deal for the Cowboys. Jonathan Hankins left with a sprained ankle. He's a defensive tackle. who has been around a long time, and uh, they lose a lot in run defense when he's not there, so Buffalo is their next opponent. And safety Reed Blankenship for the Eagles, really good player. He left with a concussion, You could look at uh, Sidney Jones, I believe his name is. I don't know why I'm blanking on that. Uh, The backup safety in IDP. He's kind of an exciting young player for the Eagles. All right, uh, let's do some advanced stats and some snap counts and stuff like that. And Jacob, the floor is yours.
3: All right, so Jonathan Mingo we brought up last week finally saw a spike in usage we've been waiting for all year. This week he saw nine targets and 159 prairie yards. Um, I don't know how many of those are catchable because I didn't put myself <laughs> Wait through. Wait a sec.
2: Did you just, just call, call them prairie yards? Prairie I've never yards. heard is that that. Before? Is that when when that.
3: Bryce Young throws
0: you a pass, they're not air yards. They're prairie yards. You better awesome. you better be praying for and that start, to be complete.
2: You should coin that because I'm going to start stealing that for like 90% of the NFL quarterbacks I watch on a daily, on a weekly
3: basis. I love that. I love that.
0: Yeah. I love that.
3: So I don't know on Mango, but it's at least cool to see him, you know, doing some stuff involved in the offense, um, getting more, you know, pre-snap motion, that kind of stuff. So not a great schedule the rest of the way. Probably not going to be fantasy relevant, but maybe for deeper leagues. Uh, Rasheed Rice, we've been tracking his route participation all year long. His previous high was 69%. It was up to 83% this week. So we finally saw Rasheed Rice as the clear-cut wide receiver one. Um, Only ran three fewer routes than Travis Kelsey for the team lead. Tied Kelsey with 10 targets. Still not running a... Downfield nuanced route tree. His average route depth was below five yards, which is extremely low. Um, part of that is because he ran a lot of screens and that drags that way down. Mm. Um, but yeah, even beyond that, he's just not working down the field very much. Um, but I mean that that's fine. That it's working, you know, for fantasy. Yeah, it is especially for for PPR leagues. Um Odell Beckham, we've talked about him quite a bit as well. His, you know, big game this week, mostly that one catch, um, only a fifty seven percent route participation. So that's up from what we had seen prior to the buy, where it was around 33% for three straight weeks. Um, but still, Nelson Aguilar ran more routes than him. So he's he's playing extremely well, Beckham is, but that's going to be tough to trust um, the usage if it doesn't tick up, which it kind of seems like he's just not a full-time player at this point.
0: Yeah, I noticed uh, that one too. Uh, Odell Beckham, 53% of the snaps and... I, 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 thought, I thought it was the shoulder two weeks ago, but now yeah. I'm much less certain. He still had, didn't he have 10 targets in this game? So he must be among the leaders in target for
3: run rate recently. Yeah. On a per <laughs> route basis, he's just been absolutely insane this year. Yeah. Um, uh, more Baltimore. We've got just this hill yeah. leading the Ravens backfield uh-huh. in snaps, which you hate to see. Um, didn't have a single rush attempt. Um, so it, it's not, you know, he's not relevant for fantasy. It's just a, a negative note for the other two guys there. Um, and then on the Bills, even with Dawson Knox back, we still saw Dalton Kincaid lead Buffalo in routes run, uh-huh. which was really encouraging. Uh, 22% target share for Kincaid. thought he looked good. thought he was open a lot. Um, I obviously watched that whole Chiefs game. That was not fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good to see for Kincaid because I thought he might be, you know, kind of falling out of that top eight tight end range if he fell back to the usage head had when Knox was healthy earlier in the year, but that's not what we saw.
0: Legarius Sneed all pro. I want more people on He's, this uh, on this. So good, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's great to know. That's I love that stat on Kincaid. Where do you
2: stand on the crybaby end of the game between Andy Reid and Mahomes crybaby?
0: <laughs> yeah, then? that's that's a big question. Yeah. We need to know here.
3: Yeah, I mean, I said it last week. I, I think it's kind of silly the way that Chiefs fans and now even those two are are getting their feathers ruffled by the, the, the officiating is like, man, you guys have had so many, if you go on Twitter, I'm sure you'll find a thread somewhere of well-documented instances of the cheese. Yeah. Get You're benefiting from calls, especially yes. late in games. And it's just, I don't, my other thing is like, it's not about you. It's not, this isn't, you know, them picking on you. It's just that the product sucks. The NFL misses calls all the time and like is inconsistent with stuff all the time. And I don't know. I think it's honestly really silly the cheese fans get so upset about this. I'm stuff.
2: surprised that Mahomes and Reed or Mahomes especially haven't come out yet and been like frustration. I was frustrated after a game, but like clearly he was offside. Cause like, there's no like debate or anything. The dude was clearly no. offside. Right. But yeah,
0: well, I, 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 I uh, yeah, I know if they, their argument is that you usually get a warning and they didn't get one. Right. But the referees were like, he was so offside. We couldn't even right. see the ball. And, and the official on the broadcast, I forgot, uh, said, um, that it was the right call. It was egregious, basically, that you want to give them, yeah. you, you want to help them out if it's a little bit, but that Tony was so
2: offside that it was, it had to be called. Uh, Tony has had so many horrific moments. I mean, he had the punt- yeah. like that win the Super Bowl, which, by the way, as a Giants fan, is just like a super sweet bonus because it was against the Eagles. It's so, like, it was just great <laughs> to see that his one good moment but like so many of the most bone-headed mistakes have come from Kadarius Tony on this Chiefs team it's like wild that one person who plays no snaps can have that many plays like no snaps can have that many boneheaded <laughs> game deciding mistakes but I for one am not feeling bad about it because he handled his time with the Giants horrifically and has handled his post uh, time after the Giants horrifically and <laughs> yes hate I him. a little
3: better
0: you hate him, uh, I, hate him. I, got <laughs> th- I got a bone to pick with this comment here uh, from Victor the product does suck Jacob speaking facts No, we hold this product to such a high standard, but if it sucked, we wouldn't be wrapped up in it every single week. It is the absolute, go watch baseball. Oh I know, God, right? Like football is by far the best sport.
2: By the people far. complaining about the product are the same people, just like us three, who ground through Patriots Steelers on Thursday night and pretended like, oh, we're not going to watch this, and then we watched it. Well, we have to. I, watch it. I
3: didn't watch it. You didn't we watch have it. to.
2: So many people who didn't have to
3: did. Basketball is better than football. They say the NBA. No, is better. I don't agree. I mean, you want to talk about missed calls? True. I'm sure you don't. Know, they man. miss calls.
0: They miss calls every possession. In so the NBA, the, the officiating is is outrageously bad in the NBA. Oh my god! And not only that, they stopped to review everything in the last two minutes. That's unbearable. I, I just, I just wish they would fix pass interference. It, it's so easy to fix.
2: You is it though they tried to yeah, do it that you year with the Saints debacle, and they didn't they try. Had to go back they, on it.
0: they didn't try hard enough. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just use common sense. Everyone with eyes knew that MVS was interfered with. So when it's that obvious, just overturn it. And also, I say this every time, don't make it a spot foul. You have two different types of pass interferences. You have a 15-yard which works really well in college, by the way. Nobody complains yeah. about it in college. And if it's really super egregious and you want to make it like a, the personal foul variety, basically, then you can
2: make it a spot foul. If someone
0: just gets beat and tackles the guy, fine. But like regular. Theory, random, I
2: don't mind this idea of yours in theory, Adam, but now you're putting more on the plate of these refs who are already struggling to call the game as it is. Doesn't,
0: so use replay. Like You can do it so quickly, too. We watch one replay at home, and we know... Oh, this was pass interference. You have these officials that are that are you know with the broadcast crews that are like, yeah, this is not pass interference. It's so easy, and they make it so difficult, and they don't use technology to help them. And pass interference becomes the most consequential play in the game because it's a spot
2: foul. Yeah, I know. And because it's AI so- is going to fix all this in a few years, ten years from now, we will have AI rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: it's yeah.
0: Anyway, the NFL is the best, and we know it. We just have Agreed. such high standards for it, but. The NFL was yep. great. And if, if you thought that we weren't excited for last Thursday's game, we've got the Raiders <laughs> and the herbert Chargers.
1: Oh, no. This week. Oh, no. This week's That's game. this Thursday? Yeah.
0: In a game yeah. that means nothing, basically. All right, we're going to take a break and uh, go through some more <laughs> stats. I don't know if Jacob has any more. We'll find out. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. I'm genuinely laughing great. from from
0: the Good Burger 2 commercial. Me too, yeah, Yo, I was laughing from
1: that. That was awesome. Did you ever? Do you guy guys that. ever
0: see Good Burger, the first one?
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. Love oh, that. Yeah. It was great,
0: right? Oh, what yeah. a great movie that Looks was. I like think
2: they, they recaptured it in that in that preview we just saw on Paramount. That's that's gonna be a good one. Yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Um, Khalil Herbert played 12 snaps. Chris Olave played only 65 percent of the snaps. I have to believe that was because he had the flu. Yep. And uh, Noah Brown played only 66% of the snaps, which I thought was disappointing, considering Nico Collins was out for basically the entire game, but Brown was on the injury report. But we'll have to figure out, you know if, the, if there's a world where we have CJ Stroud and no Nico Collins, are we gonna buy into the two good games basically of like the entire career of Noah Brown? Not to be mean here. But when Noah Brown had those back to back monster games, it certainly came as a surprise, you know, based on a pretty nondescript career. He's done nothing the last two weeks, so it's going to be kind of hard to buy into anyone, but somebody's going to have to catch passes there. Maybe it'll be Dalton Schultz. Hopefully he'll be back. Uh, I tried to take a look at the Houston running backs and what the heck is going on there, and Damian Pierce is back for three games, and in the middle game of those three, they, they basically split series, and Pierce had a better game than Singletary, and he scored a touchdown, but the other two games, the Jacksonville game in Week 12 and the Jets game in Week 14... He he barely played. He played less than twenty percent of the snaps, and Devin Singletary looked like a guy that you could maybe start as a flex. So the one thing I can say confidently is I don't have any faith in in Pierce. And if they keep this usage up, then Singletary, you know he he could be good at ten against Tennessee next week. Uh, you know, without probably without Jeffrey Simmons, something to look at. But I'm trying to figure out what the heck's going on there. And, and basically, two of the three games since Pierce has gone back, he's been. Almost completely uninvolved, and he doesn't catch any passes. Obviously, Dari Gumbawale plays a lot on third down. Uh, anything else from you, Jacob?
3: Or are you good? No, I don't have anything else.
0: All right, let's talk about some uh, some film review, I guess. Then we'll get into our big topics here. Uh, what did you watch today, Dan?
2: I got to watch three players specifically. I watched Easton Stick and his snaps against Los I'm uh, Sorry, with Los Angeles, because I wanted to kind of see where they're going to move forward with an offense uh, as an offense. There, I watched Cooper Cup because he had his nice big game after some bad weeks. And then I watched Drake London, because he's a phenomenal watch on film, and Jacob threw it out there, and I was excited to watch that. So those are my three guys this week.
0: All right, let's talk about Easton Stick first. I also was able to watch him, and the number's actually 13 of 24 for 179 yards against the Broncos. is pretty good. I got to be honest. I mean, I I think he's going to turn the ball over. He's obviously going to make some mistakes. He, He fumbled two times. I think he had another fumble overturned. Uh, he threw a couple passes, I think that could have been intercepted, but
2: Should've he been, was yeah.
0: better. He was better than I thought. You know, when I went back and watched it, and it c- kind of gave me a semblance of confidence for Keenan Allen in Week 15 against the Bears. Uh, no, it's so, not, it's not the Bears. I'm sorry.
2: Um, Raiders. 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 Yeah. Thursday night. Yeah.
0: R- oh, of course. Right. Thursday night at the Raiders. Yeah.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, so I think we we maybe had a little bit of a different interpretation of the of, of what I saw, at least on the tape, Adam. Um, and that's not to say like, you know, one person is right, one person is wrong. I am there were some things that are, are good. I think the good thing is, the first most important part is from the very first snap he took. And that just includes all the game, not just the because it was a two minute trail. The Chargers ran Kellen Moore's offense with him. They didn't have to go into like, you know, under center, heavy personnel, run, 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 you know, roll out. He knows this offense. He's been here. He understands it. He'd been winning for the whole offseason. And he just is looked like a professional backup, if that makes sense. Now, that's the good thing. The bad thing is a lot, I thought on this <laughs> tape. Uh, First of all, almost everything was designed for quick game stick routes. And for uh, just to provide a little bit of explanation on that, that what that means is like the design of a route is to be breaking back toward the quarterback. So stick routes are essentially like curls and anything in breaking like that. Um, And so you know, that's going to be, as you saw in this game, Broncos are starting to sit on that. They were starting to drive on it. And there were multiple passes that should have been intercepted third and four with 15 minutes left in the third quarter, uh, near interception. The right, he just didn't read the underneath linebacker, hmm. a third and four in the, in the, with five twelve in the third quarter, easy outbreaking pass from the slot to Alex Erickson. And the throw is just wildly off target. And we're, you know, we're talking about a pass. That's only 10 yards in the air traveled to be that off targets. Not great. He didn't process the in breaker and threw to a check down on first and ten with one thirty six in Q three. It's just bad processing. Uh, he did a good job in with uh, you know in first and ten with in the third quarter with forty seven seconds left. Coming off the quick game, look to his right, working through his progression to find Keenan Allen. That was nice. I, I like that. Then you know fourteen thirty seven qu- quarter four. This is just what's what's going to hurt with a player like. You can you know he's forced off his landmark in the pocket. He looks for the check down to Austin Eckler. It's just a four-yard throw, and he's off platform, and it just falls two yards short. The arm talent just simply not there. the The boundary skinny post to Quentin Johnson is best throw of the game, I guess, if you want to call it that, with eleven forty eight in the fourth quarter.
0: The, the long ball, the deep ball, that was really nice. Uh, not, I guess, to me. Um, he What's he, wrong with he had it? two. Hi- Look, he had I'm two not, hitches into I'm the throw. Asking him, I'm not asking him to be. I'm not asking him to be a hall of famer. I'm not even asking him to be start worthy. I'm asking him to be competent. That's all I,
2: I, I know. But like, to me, it's like that skinny post, which is supposedly his best throw. And you can look at it yourselves. If you want to make your own judgment 1148 quarter four. He hit, he needs two hitches. So he hitches twice into that throw. And then the ball still hangs up in the air there. And then it, it's not horrible, but it's just like, that's the limitations of a player like this, the arm talent, like, and when defenses yeah. start to, you know, scheme around that quarterback, it's like everything starts to shorten. They, they condense the entire field. They're going to bring the safeties up. They're going to have their corners and, and linebackers drive on all the stick routes. They're going to, you know, force him to kind of do things more outside of structure that aren't going to really work for a player like him. He doesn't have much mobility some mobility, not great. He doesn't throw well off platform at all. On, the only good throws I saw for him when it was, when he had, um, you know, balanced base and then squared shoulders. And that's just going to be tough to come by. I think it's going to limit the entire offense. I think Keenan Allen might be able to, you know, fight through this potentially, but I don't see much of a ceiling with him. Austin Eckler is the one guy I think who could maybe not benefit from this because he'll be scoring less, but like get a lot of these like grindy six, seven reception games out of this. Cause I think he's going to dump down to him a lot. And they're going to also just like mix in plays that are like designed to clear out everyone and have Eckler come underneath on a drag just to kind of get the ball out to somebody. But I don't have much hope at all for, for this offense to be completely honest.
0: All right. Well, we'll talk about Keenan Allen a little bit later. Um, and we'll talk about Cooper cup, uh, yeah, we can we can get into that when we get into our four big topics. I just want to give my quick thoughts on Jake Browning because I think a lot of you are going to be looking at Jake Browning. He's coming off two straight games with 27.7 or more points in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. Can we trust him against Minnesota? You know, it's hard to trust anyone. His air yards per attempt in the last three games, 5.1, 4.5, and 4.5. But he definitely – and by the way, put that in perspective, four-and-a-half four air yards per attempt each of the last two games. The NFL low is 6.3 among qualified quarterbacks. And that quarterback is Joe Burrow. So it's just part of their offense. Hmm. But Patrick Mahomes is 6.8. Jared Goff is 6.8. They're the second and third lowest. So you can be a good quarterback without a lot of air yards, but 4.5 is ridiculous. But it was like 7.5 in the second half. In the second half, he looked like a different quarterback. He was throwing the ball downfield. Um... I thought he actually played pretty well, Jake Browning. First half was like kind of gimmicky. There's two long screen passes. uh, I think it was a 56-yard touchdown. uh, 54 yards, Chase Brown. Mixon had a long one. But in the second half, it was better. And his numbers would have been better. T. Higgins had two drops in this game. Um, And, uh, you know, I I don't think I want to start him against Minnesota because Minnesota is actually pretty good on defense now. But... I do have more faith in Chase and Higgins, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, because I think Browning has has passed the test a little bit. You know, he was
2: really What's bad. The injury situation now with Browning. Oh, he's fine. He had a cramp in his hand. He's it's fine. Just gonna be okay. Okay.
0: Uh he was bad against the Steelers, but I think other than that, he's been he's been pretty good against kind of bad defenses the last two weeks in Jacksonville and Indianapolis. So Minnesota will be harder for him, but I I was, I was happy. I was happy with what I saw. You know, again, just just want a guy who can distribute the ball. And uh, and not kill the offense and keep them in their rhythm.
3: Lowest off-target rate in the NFL among qualifiers is Jake Browning at 3.9%. Next is Kirk Cousins and Mahomes in the 7 to 8% range. Right. And a lot, a lot of that has to do with the low average depth of target, exactly. of course. Exactly, yeah. All right. Um, on, the, on the other end of that, we have Easton Stick with a 21% rate.
0: Off-target rate? That's bad.
3: <laughs> That's not good.
0: No. Uh, all right. Let's get to our big topics then. So, this one's from Scott. Which wide receivers outside the top 20 in points per game can be a league winner in the fantasy playoffs? Which wide receiver outside the top 20 in points per game can be a league winner in the fantasy
3: playoffs? Uh, Let's just open this up by talking about Drake London and what Mm -hmm. Dan saw from him. Because, my God, I I watched every route and it was insane. He obviously had all the targets, caught almost all of them, but he was also open a lot outside of that where I thought he got missed. Um, And some of the catches he made were just bananas, dude. Like, it like cap it off with the last one on the Hail Mary where he just gets drilled and like comes down with it among three defenders is like, that's what he was doing all game. It was nuts.
1: All
0: right. Before, before before your analysis, uh, I'm just going to say, no, I mean, he's not going to be a league winner. He's not getting any better. He's always been great. He was the first receiver taken for a reason. That's not the issue. Desmond Ritter threw over 40 passes and threw for a career high. I think in yards, you know, he was over 300 yards. This is just... Like, we see this all the time. Tampa Bay sucks against wide receivers, so it was right. a good matchup. matchup. It's just, What does he have? He has two touchdowns this year. So it's just not possible. It's not possible for Drake London, in my opinion, to be a league winner. Everything would have to fall into place perfectly for him. We know they're super run-heavy. We know Ritter's not good enough. It has nothing to do with Drake London. It has everything to do with everything we've seen the past two years from Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I cannot buy that anyone in the Falcons passing game could possibly be a league winner.
3: I think that's totally fair. I, I do like, I have been a little bit worried about what we've seen from London up to this point, not only just the offensive environment that he's in, but like, I don't think he's looked like the same player as last year at times. I think he's been consistent. I don't know if he's been injured or it's an effort thing or what it is. Just like, it sucks playing in Atlanta, (laughs) Um, but, but like, to me, it was really good, like long-term note to see him come out and just completely dominate a game, even against Tampa Bay. Yeah. And I think that's exactly, sorry, go ahead. No, no,
2: no, no. I said, go ahead, Dan. I think like ultimately, like I watch his tape and I think ultimately what my main takeaway was for this show is screaming by in dynasty. He's person, personally, my favorite player to buy in dynasty right now. And I, he was even better to buy five, six weeks ago, I think. And this is not, maybe the, maybe you want to wait for a bad game statistically to buy back in. But I mean, at some point the quarterback play will improve. And I will say this about Ritter, Adam, you look at the end, uh, you know, end run for London and Ritter at the end of last season. He had a really big target share for Ritter in that run. And I say this about Ritter. He's not a good quarterback, but I like that he throws the ball up for for London. And this is something I've always thought that. Something about. Some of them talk about Michael Penix out of Washington. Uh, I just like the quarterbacks who will just give those receivers a chance on the outside and just throw the ball up instead of being like, mm, the coverage isn't there. It's not perfect. I don't really want to take this. I'll just go to the check down and throw the underneath track. They'll just throw it up and see what these guys can do. And they're such phenomenal players that they can often make plays. And I'm reminded of the game we watched for Beyond the Box score last year and like, week 12 Falcons versus Steelers where on tape, it was the best game I saw by any receiver all year, Drake London and Mariota Mariota him. And he should have had like 220 yards But Mariota was God awful in that game. One of the worst games I've seen on tape <laughs> by a quarterback, not named, you know, a New York giants quarterback. Cause I watch a lot of those games, but Drake London's ability is just crazy. Like it's, if you want to see some examples of it, I put three on Twitter. Um, you can find them on my account, but I'll throw a couple in there now for the people listening on the show. If you guys have game pass from the NFL or any way to access the all 22 first quarter, seven thirty eight. just that ability to, that he displays on that to stop on a dime at the top of his route, then break outside. You watch the defender. There's three yards of separation and his ankles are broken. Then he extends away from his frame on an off-target throw and pulls it in. And he has that same exact rep. I, I think, you know, every time I watch London guys, it's like two to five reps a game. I'll watch a defensive back just falling off balance, completely ankles broken. 13-11 quarter two is another one. He fakes the in-cut, uh, running a dig, and then goes outside. And then obviously, you know, the, the play of the game, which is like uh you know the last play where he extends away or that that bomb not the last play his second to last catch where he extends away from his frame makes the phenomenal catch just crazy stuff to show that kind of body control concentration ability to adjust in the air and then the and then obviously the at the catch point everything he did there he also does things like you know that go unnoticed sometimes second quarter, 40 seconds left in the, in the, in the half, a contested catch where he's running a route where, you know, Ritter just has a lot of trust in him, but he throws him into a hit. Like he has two defenders converging on him, comes up with the catch. Anyway, so I just think his ability to move the way that he does at 6'4", 215 is special. It's rare at the NFL level. It makes him, in my mind, one of the five, you know, five mo- receivers I'd most want to trade for in Dynasty. I, honestly, I feel like he, there's still so much on that potential. Now, can he be a league winner rest of the season, like Jacob said? I actually think he can be, based on, one, what I said about Ritter's, you know, consistency as far as throwing the ball up in contestant catch situation to what we saw from him and Ritter down the stretch run from a fantasy standpoint last season, Adam, I think that does play a role here too. So I, I I'm with Jacob on this. I have a couple of names I throw out as league winners, but this is one I can, I can go on Jacob's side with.
0: Yeah. You can throw out your other names. I just, it's so hard for me to, they never throw touchdowns. So true. Uh, just again, two touchdown catches for him. I, I just true. don't see it. And he doesn't have good matchups either going forward. Um, like the bears are pretty good against wide receivers, believe it or not. Actually, they're really good. The Panthers are a tough matchup. The Colts is that's a good matchup in week 16, but go ahead, Dan, who are your other league winners that are not currently
2: top 20 in points per game? So not currently top 20. That's going to leave very few options, but I'm going to throw Garrett Wilson out there. Cause he's not currently top 20 and that target share he had this week was Zach Wilson was phenomenal type stuff. I mean, I think that's how it's going to be rest of the season for him. I think they're just going to be ripping targets to him and you could still win with volume. Even if you don't score that many touchdowns, he's so phenomenal. He could score touchdowns. So Garrett Wilson, for me, Rashid rice, who we talked about a bunch on the show. were We're big fans. Maybe just maybe we see a little bit of an extension of that, uh, target share, just that, like, like Jacob said, a different expansion of his routes, maybe toward the end of the season. I'm not so sure Andy Reid's offense is really hard to pick up, but it's worth, it's worth considering to say the least for me. Um, that's my second one. And then the, the last one for me would be if he can get healthy and that's a big if, obviously. Christian Watson for the Packers. Because like I said, last two games on tape, the film's been phenomenal. He looked, he looked before the injury, he looked special. The rapport with Jordan Love looked like it was starting to be special. So those
3: would be my big three. I had two of those three, Garrett Wilson and Rishi Rice, decent schedules for those guys. Uh, the other one was Zay Flowers, which I th- maybe he's played well enough that he's basically in this top 20 range in most people's his minds. Um, but last two games, he's been, I think, pretty great. Um, and he plays the Jags. And the Niners, these next two games, and those are the first and second highest teams in um, situation-neutral opponent pass rate. And so I think we're going to see a ton of attempts again, just like we did this past week. Baltimore has kind of come around to the Todd Monken offense that we thought we were going to get. And so like we're getting huge volume. Like Even when Flowers didn't draw a ton of targets on a per-route basis, he ran 53 routes this past week. So that's just insane volume. Um, In a rainy game, too. They still ripped the ball. Yeah. And then Miami is with, like, the fantasy championship game. So all three yeah. of those are potentially high-scoring games. Um, yeah, there's not much else outside of the top 20 that stood out to me.
0: The first guy outside the top 20 per game is Chris Olave. And I think for sure he's he's got the potential to be a league winner. Uh, he's got the Giants, the Rams, and the Bucks, And, and yeah, I think Olave's going to have a big finish. Again, a touchdown problem when Taysom Hill is there. He had a short yardage touchdown in this game. But um, I think that's – I think – Most of these guys have touchdown problems, which is why they are not in the top 20. And it it makes a big difference when you think about the wide receivers that get in the end zone pretty consistently. Devontae Adams has done that three times. Devontae Adams is a guy who's outside the top 20. Can he be a league winner? Well, I don't know. Uh, He's got the Chargers this week, which should be fine. They've been better lately, but that's a fine matchup. The Chiefs Chiefs in week 16. He's going to get Sneed. He had a decent game against the Chiefs. He had uh, 12.3 points against the Chiefs and then the Colts in the fantasy championship. But again, Aiden O'Connell, Aiden O'Connell's thrown three touchdowns in his five starts since taking over for Garoppolo. So they're just, they scored 30 points against the Giants since then. I don't think they've scored more than 17 points in any game. So like Adams is a must start. Is he a league winner? I don't know. Garrett Wilson, I feel kind of the same way. I think I'd rather have Wilson in full PPR than Adams. He gets, gets so many targets from Zach Wilson. Now in four of the last six games with Zach Wilson, he's got 12 to 14 targets, seven or more catches, 80 or more yeah. yards. That's in five of the last six, pardon me. So all these guys are going to have trouble scoring. Jalen Waddell, I'm hopeful, I, It's going to have to start tonight because he's got a tough playoff yeah. schedule. And then there's Cooper Cup, which is another guy you looked at, Dan. And uh, Cooper Cup, can he be a league winner? He had eight catches for 115 yards and a touchdown at Baltimore. Gets Washington, the Saints, and the Giants. He basically has a very similar schedule to uh, Chris Olave.
2: Um, Washington uh, Giants is phenomenal.
0: Giants, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. It's just one team in in common there. But both have easy schedules going forward. So do you think that uh, Cooper Cup, and uh, by the way, my sleeper would be Zay Jones. Okay. That would be my sleeper. Uh, Probably not this week but because they have Baltimore. But after that, I could see Zay Jones having a big finish. Uh, Do you think Cooper Cup can be a league winner,
1: Dan?
2: Yeah, I missed this one. I didn't realize he qualified and he does. And he would probably, uh, he would definitely move um, top of my list now. Cooper Cup, it was an interesting watch on film. I would say this, and this would make it seem like the opposite of what I'm about to say, which is by Cooper Cup, which is, it's probably the least explosive I've ever seen him look on tape. I think it's very clear he's playing through an injury right now and he's not at 100%. And yet, I don't think it actually matters because Cooper Cup has never really won with Explosion. And there were multiple plays where he destroyed his assignment. Uh, for example, the third and four with 504 in the third quarter, he runs a slot vert and just absolutely destroys the slot corner by driving with the inside step and then the outside release. It's so smooth. It's so technical. It's so Cooper Cup and it works and it creates separation. Um, he had the out and up with 106 left in the fourth quarter. I mean, this dude looks like he's running a 475 on that, <laughs> and yet he creates like two four. 3 yard 2.5 to 3 yards of separation on it because he sells the out so well. He's just so technically technically sound and smooth as a route runner and that's the good thing from just the, you know, eye test film standpoint. But the fantasy standpoint what I really love is so much scheme production in this game. Pre-snap motions, free releases. Now, this anyone who's watched Sean McVay over the years knows The constants of his offense are pre-snap motion to create free releases and also tight, you know, condensed look. So he doesn't have the typical one outside boundary receiver, two outside boundary receiver. A lot of the times he'll just bring those receivers in and he'll have two guys around the line of scrimmage. And he does this so he can create free releases off the line of scrimmage for easier throws and for easier, you know, receptions. And there were a lot of that. Cooper Cup was in motion a lot and had a ton of free releases. You know, there was a 27-yard gain I wrote down in my notes, uh, 1355 quarter two busted coverage by Baltimore. But you take out that and a lot of the other and all the other production was was on him and, you know, on the scheme. And so if they're going to keep doing that, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't scheme up that production for him. Now, maybe they need to face a certain style of defense to do it to this extent, like they did uh, against Baltimore. But, you know, if they're going to do that for him, he's going to be a big asset down the stretch in fantasy. And I, I kind of disappointed because I didn't offer for Cooper cup. I was, I was bouncing back and forth two three weeks ago and I was just like, "Yeah, I'll turn it down. But now I kind of wish he was on my team for the fantasy playoffs. All
0: right. One more guy, Amari Cooper, another one who just cannot score touchdowns, but in eight games, eight healthy games that he's played without Dorian Thompson Robinson, he has uh, let's see. 89 or more yards in 5 of those 8 games, 77 wow. or more yards in 6 of those 8 games. So, whenever he's playing with Flacco or Watson or even PJ Walker for the most part, Amari Cooper's been a guy that you want to start. I don't know that we're talking league winner for him, but we're definitely talking starter. The schedule
3: is brutal. I wanted to include Amari, but he's got Chicago who you mentioned has been much much better and then Houston yeah. who really takes away like perimeter receivers and then the Jets.
1: Yeah.
0: That's
3: oh, really a good tough. point.
0: It's a good point. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we got a few more questions about wide receivers, and we'll talk quarterbacks after this on Fantasy Football today.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
3: complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions.
2: That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
0: This question is from the Dynasty Deegan. Are we benching Keenan Allen this coming week against the Raiders on Thursday night?
3: That's surely Dynasty Deegan, right? <laughs> What is it?
2: What did he? How did he What did Adam say? Totally. Deegan. What's a de- Deegan? <laughs> What's D G
3: D E G A N? Oh, is it an A? Is yeah, it an A? Was
0: there
2: definitely an A in
3: there, was or was a. there an E? Oh, no,
0: no. I'm looking at the thing. I don't know the difference between an E and an A. Yeah, it's a freaking <laughs> A, definitely. Thank you. Now I may have written it wrong. That's Let me possible. See if he wrote that. Wrong. I may have written it I wrong.
2: Think- but I think he read that as Deegan in his mind, even though it was En, and then wrote wrote it wrong on the notes on the show. I'll go notes, ahead and but. look. Are you starting? Do you know what a D-Gen is, Adam?
0: Yeah, I think I have a pretty good idea.
2: I think
3: it's. I think he it's records short for a podcast. Two, of them two right of them every now. Monday.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, oh shoot, you were right. It's D E G. It's D E G. Well, I read it right from my notes, but I wrote it wrong in the okay. notes. All right. Anyway. Um. Look, Look, I'll start Keenan zone.
2: Allen, and I think he's going to still be heavy target flow, but I don't see ceiling for him anymore with Easton stick in the offense. The vertical stuff's gone. The red zone stuff's going to be far and few in between. They're not going to have too many trips down there, I don't think, to the red zone. Even against you know the Raiders, this game probably going to be— I, I actually should rush after the show to bet the under for this Raiders-Chargers uh, game before it drops even lower. But um, I'm sure based on the Raiders scoring three— <laughs> being in a three-point total game, it's probably already too low. But, yeah, maybe as a flex— you're but, such a Deegan, such a Deegan. <laughs> such a Deegan. <laughs> maybe it's a flex. <laughs> such a Deegan, rushing right to the to the sports betting apps. But you know, maybe it's a flex. But I don't have much faith in any kind of ceiling for Keenan Allen. Definitely PPR. I'd be more willing to to play in.
3: I do like the matchup. It's super soft. The Raiders employ a lot of the umbrella. You know, just like yep, real hands off. Let you beat us with you know short passing. And we've seen Rishi Rice, a lot of you know guys who play similar type of role to Keenan Allen. I'm on or St. Brown. Um, even kindred born back when he was like filling that kind of a role have really productive games against this defense. Um, so like from that side of things is stick isn't a total disaster and could just make layup throws, and I think we could see a lot of production for Keenan here, even in a gross game.
2: You know, might have told me there because of the Patrick Graham defense for the Raiders. It is just so hands-off zone. But yeah, go ahead, Adam.
0: Well, the Raiders actually give up the second-fewest catches of 20 more yards in the NFL. They don't give up big plays. But there was a receiver that's a lot like Keenan Allen that had a really bad game against them, and it was Keenan Allen. He had (laughs) three catches for 32 yards and a touchdown. He did have that touchdown on uh, only five targets. They've held uh, Diggs, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore with Bajent, and Jalen Waddle in check this year. They're they're not bad. It's not an easy matchup, even though you think about it. You think the Raiders, they're, they're terrible. It's actually not. They don't give up big, big plays. But it could be a good matchup for a guy like Keenan Allen. All right, next topic is uh, from bread and butter, and I had some of that this morning. In fact, I had a lot of bread and butter. I had different types I- of bread with butter well, I- this morning. Why uh, Can it's you grocery? Why? It's grocery day, and uh, didn't mm-hmm. have a lot, so I had a bagel with butter.
2: Okay. Well, No, first I had a bagel with cream
0: cheese. Then I, are you
2: the type it, of guy who has like the store bought bagels? I hope no, not. Good guy. Okay. Talking you have about? a good a good bagel place that you go for. I'm okay. a
0: bagel degen for sure.
2: Okay. Good. 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 Uh, so you had a bagel with butter. What bagel, else? No,
0: first I had a bagel with cream cheese, and then I, I ate my son's bagel with butter, and then I ate my daughter's bagel with butter,
2: oh and then God.
0: I had challah with butter. Um, cause yeah, that's about to go stay on. So I had to get that in there,
2: but that's way too much bread.
0: I'm not done, baby. I I got, I got (laughs) more left in me. Maybe I have some pasta tonight. All right. Anyway,
2: uh, how do you stay stay 138 pounds when you eat like that?
0: I'm sick all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that plays a factor in it. Yeah,
0: sure. Are Devante Smith, Jamar Chase, and Amonra St. Brown still solid wide receiver one or twos?
2: That was so disappointing. By the way, before you get into this question, I I threw that out there for for hoping you would. I would get the atomizer. No, I'm 154. I am not 154. If I were 154, that would be a big problem. No, I'm 148 or whatever. I'm about 148. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is too high for me. I should be lower, like
2: 145. Oh Oh my god. Yeah, no, it's bad. I gotta get. I gotta. I gotta exercise. The kind of guy who thinks he's gonna beat me in any kind of athletic event this summer. (laughs) Sitting at five seven or eight. 148. (laughs) I mean, I, I'm not five seven. I'm no, like, you're actually tall. As I as I as I yeah. admitted, you were taller than I expected. I've to got you.
0: I'm Devontae Smith. I'm faster. Oh. I'm small and fast. Okay. Speaking of him, are Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and St. Brown still solid wide receiver one or two, one slash two? And who is more consistent, David Montgomery or Jameer Gibbs? So a two part question here. Uh, Jacob, answer the wide receiver question: Devontae, Jamar Chase, and Amonra St. Brown.
3: So yeah, I, uh, what we've seen from the lately is, you know, frustrating. Like we already talked about with Jake Browning, like he's not pushing the ball down the field. And so we've seen the targets get distributed like really evenly, like Tanner Hudson and people like backs mm-hmm. are getting a ton of targets and that's hurt Jamar chase. It's really hurt T Higgins. Um, next up is Minnesota. That's not a good matchup, but after that is Pittsburgh. Although honestly, Joey Porter jr. And them, those guys have been playing a lot better. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the Chiefs. So I don't I don't really like any of those matchups for Chase. I don't know if you really can trust him. I think he's probably gonna rank outside the top 12 for me in each of those weeks, honestly.
0: Right. Outside the top 12, but not outside the top 20 or anything like that. I mean, he's still
3: I don't Chase. I think yeah, you have to rank him inside the top twenty, but it wouldn't be any surprise if he finishes outside the top twenty, like each week. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have any takes on Amano or St. Brown? I don't yes. really know what's going on there. I have a okay. Big,
0: big take on Amando St. Brown. I have zero yeah. concerns about Amando St. Brown and if I'm wrong, I am willing to be wrong about it, but I am not even going to think twice about Amandra St. Brown. I mean, it's just timing, right? I mean, he's had his two worst games of the season. This one was particularly bad. Jared Goff is just not playing very well right now, but I think the guys mentioned he'll be indoors going forward. He gets Denver at home. I mean, Denver's tough at Minnesota and at Dallas. It's not an easy schedule, but I just think I just think Amandre St. Brown has put himself in that, class where I, I'm i working I I mean it's the same as Stefan Diggs. There's really no difference to me, except there's only two bad games in a row for for St. Brown. And one of them wasn't even that bad. So to me, I just look, there could be a lot to say here about St. Brown. I think he had some drops in this game that were a little uncharacteristic. I don't care. I wouldn't even think twice about it. And if I'm wrong, I will die on that hill. Amandra St. Brown for life. I'm a St. Brown Deegan right here.
2: Deegan. Uh, I'm with you on Amon Ross St. Brown. That's the one I'm least concerned with. I'm also not concerned with Devontae Smith. I think we saw it last night. The Dallas got a return didn't impact him that much. He should have had that touchdown Adam mentioned. Um, I feel like he's also been used a lot underneath when they use, uh, you know, when when teams are are using bracket coverage or umbrella coverage over A.J. Brown, which helps a lot. The one I'm concerned with is Jamar Chase, though. I'll be honest. I I've been concerned since the start. I know one Browning game was amazing, but it kind of required like a really phenomenal individual play by Jamar Chase on a pretty underthrown ball. And I also don't necessarily think you're going to see that many more looks that Chase had on that play against Jacksonville or his one-on-one when those safety help over the top. That's just not something teams do a lot against Jamar Chase. Maybe they thought they could because Browning was in the game at the time. And then they learned they couldn't and they won't do it again based
3: on that tape. So Chase is the one that concerns me the most of this three.
2: I would
0: agree. I, I think so,
3: too. I think yeah. I would agree. I like the matchups for Devontae, too, outside of Seattle. I like the next two a lot.
0: Yeah, it's just going to take one game where Dallas Goddard has 10 targets and Smith has six, <laughs> and then everyone's <laughs> going to be frustrated out. again. Yep. But these guys are starts. Uh, and then Montgomery or Gibbs, who's more consistent? That's tough. I'd have to say Montgomery is more consistent.
3: It feels like Montgomery has been more consistent, but like his snap rates when they get down are really concerning, oh. man. Two of the past three games, he's been below 40%. And one of them, it was like 28% snap rate or something. Just like insane to me that it could even get that low. Um, But yeah, I mean, from a production standpoint, he has been more consistent.
0: It's tough. I think they're kind of guys that you pretty much have to start in most leagues. And you should start them against Denver. And we'll go Mm -hmm. from there. Uh, Next question is from Sam Moore. Most top eight quarterbacks in ADP have been busts. Is it time to go back to waiting until round 12 for quarterbacks?
2: This is the beauty of fantasy football. There are some things that you can hold true. You know, some things are not dependent on the trends that happen in the NFL. So we've always talked about, oh, you're the running back. You're the zero running back wide receiver. A lot of trends change those things. But one thing that's always going to be true is that if you play in a 10 or 12 team league, that's only starts one quarterback. 24 to 20 to 24 of the, or whatever it is, 20 to 24 of those quarterbacks will not be started every week. Some will be on benches, some will be on the waiver wire. And that in itself, gives value to the original strategy coined by J.J. Zacharison of late round quarterback. You wait for quarterback. You take him in the late rounds. Maybe you double up and you take upside and two, swing on two, but you wait and you want to make sure that 10 or you know 90% or 95% of the teams in your league take a quarterback before you take one. Then you can really wait even longer. And there was value to that for a while. And then over the past two years, research showed that that was not the case because the top tier had really separated themselves. And now we're seeing a fallback. Now, the question is how much of that is due to unforeseen for, uh, circumstances that won't really repeat themselves, AKA variance, AKA injury luck. Now that I can't really um, determine, but I'll say this, like you look at some of the outlooks of some of these players, Patrick Mahomes, like where are the chiefs going to find the receivers he needs in one off season without any free agent, without any salary cap space to, to really help that. I mean, you're gonna have to see a big evolution from sky Moore and Rishi rice. In my opinion, they're two big investments. I don't know if anyone sees that coming from sky Moore. maybe he's Rishi rice, I guess, um, Travis Kelsey's is getting older there too, so that can help. So you're looking at some of these guys, Joe Burrow coming off the injury. I don't know, J- Justin Herbert now coming off the injury. And again, no explosive playmakers in that offense, really. And an older Keenan Allen starting to think like, I don't know if there's these top end guys that we want to invest in anymore because of the injuries, the quarterback position have been piling up again. Maybe it's a recency bias though. With so many injuries this year, quarterback, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about all that.
3: I I do think we are maybe giving into recency bias here a little bit. There were a few guys who stood out as I thought bad picks. I think we we pushed quarterbacks up the board a lot because of last year, and that makes sense when it comes to like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen um, and I guess Mahomes. But I I didn't love Mahomes where he was going, and then also like Joe Burrow. And this I don't think is just like a response to what happened. I thought that was a terrible pick. Like I okay. I didn't see the upside for that. For oh, me, if man, I'm going, you know, like. <laughs> I think if I'm going if I'm going early at quarterback, I want it. I need a you different structure, Right. Yeah. I, I'm so like for me, I was going after people like Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, and like it's been kind of a frustrating year for those guys. But I do think that's somewhat variance. The touchdown rate for Lamar Jackson is much lower than normal. And we've seen so many of those short yardage touchdowns go to Gus Edwards. I think it could have easily been a much better year for him. Mm-hmm. Um and Fields has been phenomenal since he's come back. His last like six games, he's been like one of the best fantasy quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I think I'm still willing to take a chance early on a quarterback if there is upside for like a truly difference making season. Um, but I do think we're kind of running out of those types of guys. Yeah.
0: It kind of seemed like with, uh, with, with Brady falling off with Rogers falling off last year, um, it kind of seemed like the quarterback play was just a lot worse And it made sense to get an elite quarterback this year, or at least one that you'd feel comfortable starting every week. So I bought into it big time. And the two quarterbacks that I had on most teams were Burrow and Lawrence. So I feel like I drafted pretty well, except for quarterback. And I got killed killed by those guys. And, you know, Burrow, obviously, I think Burrow would have had a perfectly fine year. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't have, but he got hurt, you know, had the calf injury and just was not healthy. And then when he finally got healthy, he got hurt again. Lawrence, you know, big disappointment, finally coming around, probably too little, too late for most of those guys. Joe Burrow, his 17-game pace last year with Chase and Higgins both healthy and not leaving the game early, because remember, T. Higgins kept doing that, played three games where he barely played. When he had both of them on the field, he was on pace for 4,945 yards, 42 touchdowns, and six interceptions, and another 223 rushing yards with four more touchdowns.
2: But that was almost like a ceiling type season from from a fantasy that's, standpoint. That's it was like not. almost QB one ceiling, you know. So I know, but the rest of his career hasn't been at that at that rate or uh, anywhere close, really. Well, it was pretty good. From a fantasy standpoint, I mean, just from a fantasy point standpoint.
0: Twenty twenty two, he was number four per game. Oh no, no, sorry, that was la- that was last year, right? That was uh, last year, yeah. Twenty twenty one he was number nine per game, but yes. there was but uh but he got real hot late. So okay. I just thought, you know, and, and I forgot when when Jamar Chase got hurt. I think it says that was last year. Anyway, I'll say this. I'll say anyway, this. I, I, I think, you know, Purdy and Prescott and
2: Cousins when he was healthy,
0: Anthony right. Richardson even was looking like he was going to be. And those
2: guys were ranked outside
3: the top 12 for the most part.
2: Yes. Not Richardson.
3: But that, yeah, that was for us, my point is not necessarily that you can't run into that kind of upside without rushing. It's that it's not that predictable and like take, it, it requires an outlier. And so you don't want to invest super high in it. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. It requires a totally like MVP outlier kind of season for a only passing stats yeah. quarterback to get that kind of upside.
2: And I'm looking at my tiers now, and I I did have the that I had, Allen, I'm sorry, Allen Mahomes and Hertz is just a tier of their own. And for the most part, that's worked out. Besides Mahomes, and I don't know if anyone could have really seen Mahomes coming because he was good last year without receivers. So it's kind of dependent, in my opinion, on Kelsey not looking that healthy to me, and that's kind of in fact affected their whole season, in my opinion. Maybe it's the age factor there too. Who knows? So maybe you could have saw that coming. But like, it's ne- it's really that second tier that I think you should be weary of when when we push up the guys into that you know ranked four, five, six, seven, eight QB range. Do you want to invest that early pick there, or that big investment in an auction league, or do you want to maybe try to not do that? And then you have to make such a smaller investment in the guys like Purdy and Dak and those guys. It's just such a drop off in the investment that you have to be that has to be made because we pushed up those guys, like Jacob said, like Burrow and, you know, whoever to round four, round five, you know, round yeah. six, where you could be getting these receivers or running backs.
0: I have no problem with it, you know, and I think for all the talk about Dak and Purdy. Purdy wasn't even really in this discussion. He was probably QB twenty or so in ADP, right? I mean, what if you drafted Geno Smith and Daniel Jones and right. and there's Aaron always Rogers, the that, yeah. right? There's a lot of lot of bad picks in there too. Um, I think Burrow, you know, Burrow to me was all about the injury. Jackson's been so weird. I mean, he's just so weird. He seventeen points against the Chargers one week and then comes back with like thirty seven yeah. points yesterday. So yeah. he, he's so hit or miss on a weekly basis. Herbert for a while was the number two or three quarterback in fantasy, but he lost Mike Williams, and then he lost Josh Palmer. I just think both of those had a huge impact on him. Um, So I don't know that those were bad picks necessarily. And then Fields has been fine. You you said he's been great since he came back or whatever, but uh, he's been kind of up and down. He started off the season looking like almost people were asking if they could drop Justin Fields. So, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from grabbing a great quarterback next year. If, if the chips fall that way, we'll see. I'm not going
2: to shy away from drafting the top guys. I'm probably going to shy away from tier two.
0: Yeah. All right. That's it for today's show.
2: Nice. And I wonder, like, who do you think the top
0: six quarterbacks will be or top eight next year?
3: I was going to say, it's going to be all Anthony Richardson for me. I assume he'll oh. be in that <laughs> tier two that Dan mentioned. Um, but unless he like gets pushed up into the like top five, I think I'm just going to be way, way overweight on Richardson. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I think he's going to be very popular. We'll, I we'll am worried about, about
3: the injuries, but other than that, I like him a lot.
0: Absolutely, you got to be worried about the injuries. You got to be worried about him changing his style of play. All yeah. those
3: things. Uh, but I just I love the offense. I love Shane Steichen. I think it. Yes. I mean, the injuries concern is, is real. Um, but yeah, if we're just talking about upside, yeah. Shane Steichen deserves to be in the mix for Coach of the Year, in my opinion, given what he's done.
0: I wonder where Purdy is gonna go. I think he'll be a top eight guy?
2: He should be high.
3: All he's done is produce for fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> he should be really high.
0: But all the stat people are gonna look at, at this season and say it's the most unsustainable yes. season in, in like NFL history.
2: And they're probably mm. right. You know I mean he's basically he might and then, then we'll go into next year and he'll be just as good because he still has all those weapons back.
0: I've never seen Depot Samuel was the most amazing player.
2: He's so good when
0: healthy. Right? He's incredible.
2: I was so high on him ranks wise this year, and it looked bad for a while. Now he could be the guy that like carries me through to these playoff runs potentially. If he doesn't get hurt.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll I think that's it. Well, someone's bringing up my uh, my Anthony Richardson yeah. take. Yeah, I was. What do you want me uh, to say? I was wrong.
2: Well, it's not as bad as his most recent take, which is the Detroit Lions would be one of the four teams if I did an NFL playoff no, today. I, again, this is I, never, I never felt, And I couldn't wait to bring that. I was going to say for the day. I never <laughs> felt
0: that the Lions were actually the fourth best team, but the whole point was to eliminate bias no, and go on resume. That's your point. That's no. not okay, the whole point. Okay, so who point. should go in there instead? The Chiefs? The Chiefs, the team that they beat, that nah,
2: Chiefs was a bad call. They but they were, right, exactly. Yeah, all yeah, the Chiefs is.
0: people look like idiots right now. The, the The Lions beat the Chiefs and had a better record. That it still stands, by the way. They still have a one game better record than the Chiefs and a win in Arrowhead. The Dolphins, the Dolphins haven't beaten anyone. God, I obviously, can't the Cowboys you're standing
2: by this take. There's four teams the in the Cow- NFL playoff. You still want to put the
0: Lions no, in there? No, the Cowboys have earned it now. All the right. Cowboys have earned it. The Cowboys hadn't been a good team all year until this year, unless you count Seattle. They're fine, hmm. but this was finally the Cowboys' signature moment. So now it's very. Very easy, very easy. It's the Dolphins are out. It's the uh, Ravens. It's the the n- in some it. order. It's the Niners, the Ravens, the Cowboys,
2: and the Eagles. Yes, yeah, so I'm fair with that. I'm fine with that.
3: Yeah, I thought the more interesting comment Anything was At, Adam will put Dan on a poster, which I assume <laughs> means like dunk on him. <laughs> it is just so funny putting that visual in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have in my basement. I have a little trampoline and a little Tykes basketball hoop. So with those okay. two things, I might be able to posterize you.
2: I mean, I'm just at this point concerned if this game's even going to happen. Adam Azar has been literally sick for two straight months now. We're going on like eight weeks if this yeah, guy has not cold. It's true. I don't. I can't say anything. All right. We asked him before the show if he was going to do anything about it. The answer is no. He's Miami, just grinding
0: through it. Miami is better than Baltimore, says Clonk. We'll see. They'll get to prove it in a few yeah, weeks. I don't but hate that I think sick. I think Miami's been outclassed when they've faced the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Bills so yeah. far. So I just can't quite get there with the Dolphins. All right, we're yeah. out of here, everybody. Thanks, uh, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with the Raiders.
1: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7.